This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to It's Been a Minute. I'm your guest host, Elise Hugh. Okay, something we love talking about on this show is music, of course. So let's get into summer mode and talk about some fun tunes this month. Every Tuesday, we'll be bringing you a special music episode from the It's Been a Minute vault. We're revisiting interviews with some pretty talented artists, ones you've heard of, like Phoebe Bridgers and Yeba. We'll also be talking to people who just love music, like this episode's guests who talk about songs all day, every day, for a living. I'm Nate Sloan. I'm a professor of musicology at USC and co-host of Switched on Pop with my friend... Charlie Harding. That was nice. Great segue. <laughs> Nailed it. We are Switched podcast, on Pop so. is a podcast about pop music from Vox Media. Charlie and Nate have hosted the show for years. They talked with former host Sam Sanders back in 2020 about their book, Switched on Pop, How Popular Music Works and Why It Matters. In the book, they break down 16 pop songs of our current era that are still pretty relevant. Songs from Beyonce. Sia. Kelly Clarkson. Frank Ocean. Top 40 hits from the last 20 years or so that we'll be hearing for a long time to come. Charlie and Nate want us all to take pop music seriously. For both non-musicians, it's exciting to learn about how things like rhythm, melody, and harmony work. But for musicians, you might start to hear, wow, I've never realized that that composition is dependent upon the linking between the music and the lyric. Charlie, Nate, and Sam deconstruct three songs. We Found Love by Rihanna. Drake's God's Plan, and M.I.A.'s Paper Planes. Those are all great karaoke songs. So all that and more after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is my voice. I can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. I want to break down some of the chapters in the book uh, by going through two songs from your book. Every chapter is a song. And you 
talk about these songs in a way that gives you a pretty expansive view of where pop is right now mm-hmm. and where it's been for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I found the most interesting and chock full of information for me was the way y'all unpacked MIA's classic Paper Planes. Yeah. Mm. It has everything. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm someone who loved this song just like everybody else. And it starts out, we hear this sample from The Clash, Mm -hmm. but record scratch, stop. (laughs) It's more than just a straight sample even. Yeah, so that opening clip that you hear is from The Clash's song called Straight to Hell. Yes. Which, you know, frankly is a B-side cut. So you got to be like pretty deep in your music nerdery to recognize that. We should play a little bit. Pull up The Clash Straight to Hell. So it sounds the same, but it sounds different, right? Yeah, totally. They did some stuff with it. Well, and then this song goes in an entirely different direction. <laughs> it becomes this sort of, like, Caribbean beat. Yeah. A totally different song yeah. after this. Yeah, But yeah, so they actually... Diplo... This was actually a track that Diplo made. He was, at the time, dating MIA. They produced this song together. And well, that's he, cute. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he talks about... They actually um, re-recorded that song. It's not actually a true sample in that way. It's uh, an interpolation, I guess. Yeah. So they term. pulled out their own instruments to recreate those sounds. Yeah. And they did it almost exactly, but the way that the song is panned in your headphones it's is differently. It's lower and yeah. yeah, they needed more bass, is what uh-huh. I was going for, so the bass yeah. is a little thicker. But I think what's amazing about this sample is that it's not just borrowing the timbres of the clash mm-hmm. it is reimagining the world that that song that straight to hell put together yes so if you look at straight to hell when it's Christmas out at it is joe strummer putting together this caricature of a bigoted british man deriding the incoming immigrants from Eastern Europe. The Clash being a uh, British band. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he's saying, hey, all of you immigrants coming into the struggling 1980s economy uh, of, of the UK, all you immigrants, you, you all got to go straight to hell. Now he's And the chorus says, there ain't no need for you, there ain't no need for you. Go straight to hell, boys. Go straight to hell, boys. Go straight to hell, boy. And this is clearly a parody. Uh, so he's he is mocking... Those yes. rude Brits who would not let these folks He in. was actually born abroad. Uh-huh. He was born in Turkey okay. uh, to, I believe, his uh, his parents were diplomats. Okay. So then if we take paper planes and think, well, what's going on here? Even just the chorus, which I never thought about until yeah. I read your chapter, but the chorus is... All I want to do is bang, 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 <laughs> and ka-ching, take your money. That's right. Yeah. Who's she talking about? She is talking about the fever dream imagined criminal immigrant story of America huh. in which the, the, there's so much demonizing of immigration uh, that so often evokes pathology and crime as a, uh, as a vector with race and immigration. Huh. And she is the inverted narrator mm-hmm. of Straight to Hell. Rather than playing the bigot, she's playing the imagined immigrant. It's like writing a sequel to a Shakespeare play or something. What's great about M.I.A. is uh-huh. that's not her only reference. In fact, that huh. chorus is in a way another interpolation of a song by Reckon Effect's Rump Shaker. Hmm. Pull it up. So she is cribbing from this early 90s rap song yeah, right. which was full of you know girls in bikinis 
so there all I want to do is about wanting to just kind of hook up with a pretty lady. Yeah, and it's quite obviously misogynist. And yes. so I think her taking that reference yeah. and putting it in this meta commentary on immigration. And also the, this moment of almost like play acting violence. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like kind of like reclaiming the usage of that line and making it this sort of empowering moment. Oh, totally. In interviews, MIA would say that this song is intentionally open to interpretation. I think it invites us to dig into, well, what is this meaning? And it it really, but it doesn't require that much digging. No, because if you just Google, what does paper planes really mean? (laughs) It means counterfeit visas. So when she says, I got visas in my name, she's like, I'll cook you up a visa, son. She makes this commentary in the song about how uh, everyone's saying that we should go straight to hell, mm. um, and that oh, we're actually wow. we're, we're yeah. already we're already in hell because <laughs> we're packing UPS trucks and pumping gas, which oh. I think is then sort of saying like, well, the reality of so many immigrants coming to America is they end up doing very difficult working class labor uh. and are often uh, exploited, not fairly compensated, and so on. And so there's like that hint of both the sample and the reality of what she's speaking about are in the lyrics if you're willing to take a moment with the song. Coming up, more music. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So, The work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as Black experiences, you'll hear... It means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Next, we got to talk about a very, very catchy song by a guy I might not like that much. Mm -hmm. His name is Drake. Rhymes with fake. (laughs) song is called God's Plan. Shots fired. Let's just post it at the top, Anjali, while we describe what y'all were into unpacking uh, in this song. Y'all write about it, and Drake's flow in this song particularly is kind of like nursery rhyme rap. Yep. And whether calling Drake's uh, lyrics nursery rhymes is a good or bad thing, I I won't be the judge of it. But uh, I think what we agree is that it's a very effective way to create a catchy song. Uh, We cite the scientist and author Oliver Sacks, who describes how when words and melody merge together in a simple, repeatable, melodic fragment, that's something that gets lodged in our brains. And Drake is really expert at exploiting this. He repeats himself a lot himself a lot. There's a sort of immediacy and directness to this. And it's also something that comes through in the kind of rhymes that Drake uses. She say, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love my bed and my mom. I'm sorry. Drake uses a lot of what are called identity rhymes. 
Which is kind you mean of, he talks about himself a lot. Which is, <laughs> which is kind of a fancy way of saying uh, rhyming a word with itself, basically. Okay. Like the chorus of this song, God's plan, God's plan. He says it over and over again. Or the post-chorus, bad things, it's a lot of bad things that they wishing and wishing and wishing. They wishing on me. Bad things, a lot of bad things. There's a lot of... A lot of repetition. A lot of repetition. Um, And he, if he's not using identity rhymes, he's likely using something called near rhymes or slant rhymes. That is, rhymes that aren't perfect matches, but have a a, a really strong similarity. So Um, he gets to repeat himself... And not rhyme. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, certain, uh, you know, lyricists like the musical theater composer Stephen Sondheim, mm-hmm. he would not approve. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, maybe Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh-huh. I don't know if he would approve. Uh-huh. But I think if you're making a pop song and you want to really just connect with people in, in a really immediate way, there's a kind of lack of artifice in some of his lyrics, I think, that draws people in. It's very plain spoken. Uh, it's not always very, you know, ornate or And there's uh, just fewer expert. words. And so, okay, this, this is what I find so interesting about Drake and his presentation of self and this song. Like, he does this kind of bait and switch. Mm. Like, the performance of God's plan to the public is simple enough for, like, a five-year-old to get and latch on to. But everything after that first listen, you realize it is extremely shrewd and working on multiple levels. Yeah. In in, in many ways, the way that, like, the M.I.A. song does. Yeah. Is this just a reality for all pop music and we just never notice it? (laughs) Yeah, probably. I mean, (laughs) and yet I think... I'm going to give Drake a little credit here. You're good. Someone should. Uh, One thing I do think he and MIA have in common, and I think a thing that great pop songs in general have in common, is that the music matches the message of the song. And God's Plan, for better or worse, is a song about sort of giving in to a higher power. And so maybe there's something in the almost mantra-like repetition of certain key phrases again and again. It's chant. That represents a certain kind of, I don't know, yeah, chant, spirituality or something that matches the underlying message of the song. That's the nicest thing I'll say about Drake uh, today. <laughs> you can be nice, yeah. but it's fine. <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, and it's effective, right? It, yeah. It's, if, if this song is about sort of giving in to a higher power, then his, his chanting kind of puts you in that mindset. I'm into it. Anyways, I would have y'all also break down the Britney Spears chapter and the Outcast chapter. I'm not going to have you do that when I have enough time, mm. but I want you to pick a song from your book yeah. that you think really speaks to where pop is right now and, you, and break it down. What if we build a bridge uh, using Rihanna to one of our favorite chapters, mm. which is about form in pop music? Okay. And this is also a fun chapter because I think form is one of the sort of most boring aspects of popular <laughs> music in a lot of ways. How a song is structured. Yes. You know, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, etc. Yes. And the usual structure has been for a long time. Yeah. What? It has been, uh, it's, it has even has a boring name. It's <laughs> called verse chorus form. Okay. And since the 1960s, I would say 99% of songs on the radio use it. You start with a verse and then a pre-chorus, which builds into a chorus. Mm-hmm. And then you do that again, verse, pre-chorus, chorus. Then mm-hmm. you usually will have like a bridge that provides a little contrast. Yes. And then you'll hit the chorus once, twice, thrice. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a you rough formula yeah. for a pop song. And that's held strong for like half a century. But if you listen to a track like We Found Love by Calvin Harris and Rihanna, they're doing something different. They're interrupting and changing that verse chorus form let's hit it 
Is this the verse? This, this is, is the, the verse. verse, yeah. No drum beat yet, though. And then the pre-chorus. We gotta build up. Yeah, we describe yeah. it as almost like a roller coaster. Okay, like, you're, you're climbing, you're climbing up the roller coaster. T- We're t- building t- up t- towards something. Yeah. And that something is the chorus. It's the oh. central hook of the song. Here's the chorus, but not a full drum yet. No, it's not a, a little surprising. Drum. It's not the kind of... I was waiting for that bass. Yeah, it's not that climactic moment you expect. And we might not make sense of it until we hear what comes next. Okay. Because in this song, the chorus isn't the high point. We're going even higher. If this is a roller coaster, we're just <laughs> Another like, hill. We're in like the clouds. <laughs> and then just when it reaches a breaking point, it drops. Oh, yeah. So the second chorus is the drop. Exactly. Uh. That is very unusual. I mean, now it's very common, but back in 2011 when the song came out, that was very unusual. That was a technique kind of imported from the world of electronic dance music and infused into the formal logic of a pop song. When you first heard this, what what did you think? Uh, I don't know that I was thinking. I I don't think thinking is at all. (laughs) Gyrating or something. Yeah. Um, But, you know, under the, in the clear light of day, um, I I think I appreciate how this has become a whole new vocabulary for pop music. Um, Even one of the biggest songs of of last year, Billie Eilish's Bad Guy, Mm -hmm. doesn't have a true chorus. It has one of these kind of instrumental uh, faux choruses that goes, do-do-do. It's very cartoony. Totally. And I think we can trace that back to Rihanna and Calvin Harris and this sort of melding of the language of EDM, electronic dance music, with the language of pop. Does that hurt you? No, No, it's exciting. I I love a good chorus. Yeah, but there's like new ways of expressing oneself, Hmm. right? Like the, the idea that you have to have this narrative build to the apex uh, becomes uh, predictable, and huh. maybe there's another way of sharing whatever emotion it is that I have. Yeah, maybe it's just like I'm gonna jump right in on it. Okay, this is exactly how I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm not gonna give it to you until the very end of the song. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. it's a slow build. This isn't to say that the chorus is dead okay. entirely, okay. but that people are playing with it, hmm. and I, I think that that's exciting. Thanks so much to Charlie Harding and Nate Sloan, the hosts of Switched On Pop. They talked with Sam back in February of 2020. You can find Switched On Pop wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for this show. This episode was produced by Anjali Sastry Kerbacek and edited by Kitty Isley. We're back in your feeds Friday. I'm Elise Hugh. Take care of yourselves and talk soon, y'all. I want to end with some earworms, the two earworms that are stuck in y'all's heads right now. Go. Billie Eilish is everything I wanted. Mm. Very good song. Yeah. Post Malone's Circles. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go. You you asked a question, I gave you an I honest sure answer. Did. I cannot get that melody out of my head. We're going like... to go out on that. Play the <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Seasons change and our love went cold. Feed the flame because we can't let go. Oh, so profound. Why Why do you like this song? Post Malone finds these melodic fragments and he'll just hit you with them again and again and again. And by the end of the song, whether you like it or not, you are going to remember every melody because he's because he's going to run you in them. circles. Yeah. That, <laughs> so there we go, and that's the message of the song. It's we're running in circles, just like these melodies are running in circles. Oh my goodness! It's effective. 
You're going to be humming this tomorrow morning, I think. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.